I was going to open this show talking about time being a flat circle and your experience with an aggressive Russia trying to increase its territory and what that was like for you. And we can maybe still get to that point. But we need some therapy. (laughs) I need some therapy for sure. Deb is in desperate need of some therapy. And all of our hearts are going to go out to her because she just endured one of the worst things that somebody can endure. And then I had to equally endure it on her behalf emotionally because it's tough for somebody else to endure it through secondhand through your own emotions. Yes. Deb. Yes. You dinged up your car. My car is perfect. Like the carpets in my car are like brand new. And there's now a little baby crack in the back bumper. I was actually on the phone with you mm-hmm. when you called. And oh, you were on the phone with me when I did it. You were trying to chastise me about something, which is very par for the course with our relationship. <laughs> and I could hear the commotion yeah. when it happened. Yeah. Now, I didn't know yeah. what had happened, but mm-hmm. you said it and then quickly hung up the phone. Yeah. Called back to tell me what had happened. Yeah. And then continued to chastise me. <laughs> well, I didn't. I picked up where I left off. Yeah. I didn't stop you from chastising me. I simply asked a qualifying question, one that you would in no way give me Uh, because you were so irate with yourself. Listen, what you did is like you poked the bear. Didn't poke. Okay. No, no, no. You repeated. We're going to get real therapy here. If you think I poked the bear by asking a question. You repeated something to me three times. So Deb needed me (laughs) to go pick something up from a place that was Five minutes away. Right. She proceeded. But I was like 25 minutes away. She proceeded to try to give me directions by saying, (laughs) and you're going to go past this place, and then you're going to make sure you go past this place, and then make sure you go past this place. And I'm like, can you just tell me the name of the business? Because I don't know if you know this. Yeah. You got this awesome thing called Google. You know, I, okay, by then I was driving. And listen, I'm conceding to you that you were beyond flustered. Beyond, beyond flustered. Because so what did I do? Not going to engage. Yeah. I said, hey, Deb, can you, t- can you tell me the name of the business? I didn't know. Go past this. Can you tell me the name of the I business? I didn't know. Go past this place. Can you tell me the name of the business? <laughs> go, pl- go past this place. I said, I'm just going to hang up this phone. I'm just going to hang it up. I looked oh. through some correspondences. I realized I had emailed the people prior to, oh, to right. me going and picking it up. I realized they were five mm. minutes away. I went and picked them up. I went and uh, brought them back. You text me, and I'm letting you know all along the way, hey, I'm I'm picking these things up. They're back home. You text me, I'm sitting in traffic with a broken bumper. I mean, now that is dramatic. Yeah. Well, because first of all, let me say, and people may not believe this, like normal people out there living in a real world. Yeah. I am never, ever in my car at a time of day where there could be traffic, ever. So, Kevin, have you been out there at like five o'clock, four o'clock, whatever it was? I was chastised into going and getting (laughs) things at the exact same time that you were out there. And I managed to get back home totally unscathed. Okay. (laughs) But there is traffic out there. There is traffic. It It is oftentimes referred to as rush hour. Yeah. So I don't like that, first of all. It is the worst feeling in the 
world. You feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. guilty. Yeah. You feel yeah. angry. Shame. Shame. You think that your car is this representation mm-hmm. of you as a bad driver, yeah. as a bad person. Yeah. It sits with you so much that you can't help but think, why am I so broken that an inanimate object, a vehicle, yeah. something that still, by the way, can take you from A to B yeah. in no time flat has something now wrong with it that you totally it was belittle like a, yourself. It's like a child I beat, but here's the worst part. Yeah. I have a camera. Yeah, oh yeah. I have like, it makes like noises, right? Yep. I still did it. You were, and a lot of people are going to say, well, it's really easy to figure out why you did it. You were on the phone. You were on the phone when you started doing it. And I'm not saying that all the vehicles, you know, made after like 2020 aren't capable of somebody being on the phone while alerting, but it's called distracted driving. You're right. I was still, I was in a driveway. I was on private property. Yeah. So I wasn't, thank God. We're suing people. Let that be known. We are suing everybody. (laughs) I'm suing a fence, right? Yeah. Here's okay. Here's what's really going on. Do you want to know what's really going on? You were a little frantic. That no, was the problem. You no. got you were you were spinning a lot of plates. You were juggling a lot of things. Thank God you have a son like me who is willing and able to help you at all times of the day and make your life easier. But sometimes I can't do everything for you. No, I know. So let me tell you this. Yeah. This will this will make it all clear for you. Okay. Okay. Now you will get it when I say this. Okay. I haven't had this feeling that I currently have had for, I'm going to say, the last 48 hours. Okay. I've not had it for years. Do you know the last time I had it? When Jimmy Carter was in office. No. When we were catering at the restaurant. Oh. Do you know that just where you feel like all the pieces aren't going to come together? Yeah. And it's like, and then you feel yourself micromanaging a little bit, which is- foreign to me. I yeah. do not micromanage. So here's the thing. Guess what? I don't micromanage well. I mean, like some people, it's an art form. Not for me. All that happens is I just feel like- Frantic? Frantic and every good thing is slipping out of my fingers yeah. and it's just overwhelmed. I don't know how much more it could be. And what I try not to do is say things that are hurtful and horrible because I don't want to Which would be people. wild, seeing as all of these emotions are yours and yours alone. And I said to you before we open these microphones, yeah. feels like you're projecting a little bit. But I mean, little things will slip out. And are they things that I could easily apologize for? And do I, of course, are they things that are forever damaging to people? No. Yeah. Do I yell and scream at people? Not at all. When you got off the phone with me, you said, I wish I never had you. And that was unbelievable. That That was so rude. That was a lie. That cut me to my core because that was like the seventh Mm, time you've said that to me this week. Big lie. It was a lot for me to deal with. The first thing I did when I sat down here is I looked at Kevin and I said, like, Kevin, Kevin, look at me. Thank you. And I was in tears. I was sobbing. I was not I was in the corner just saying, I I need an adult. So it's really, really interesting because... Here a feeling from long ago came up. Yep. I didn't recognize it at the beginning, certainly recognized it when I was driving home, right? And went like, 
I remember being so grateful, thinking I'll never feel that again in my life. True. Yeah, and here it is, yeah. right? So there's that ends up being like, don't say ever, ever, never, ever, forever, because it'll come back and bite you right. for sure. Especially when you volunteer to do the thing that could trigger you later on. Exactly. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. That's the other part. Just yeah. like catering. I mean, these big events for people, they were wonderful things. Yep. Nothing ever really went wrong ever, but you get yourself worked up ahead of time, right? True. The other part of it is... um, it's like lessons learned. And what I had to ask myself driving home was, okay, you may not do this another for another five years, right? I mean, something like this that could possibly trigger these reactions and feelings. Yeah. But you need to think long and hard about this. This needs to be some reflection. You thought it was behind you. I thought it was behind me because, not because I'd worked on it. I know what it is, though. What is it? You in those first few moments when we did catering, which yeah. I mean, listen, catering is vulnerable because you are trying to execute somebody else's vision for their private party, for Important their wedding, for, yeah. for whatever it is they're doing. They're relying on you to execute. So that's a ton of pressure. And of course, the first like five, maybe even 10 times you do it, you're sitting with that pressure of, I don't want to screw it up. And eventually you get into the rhythm and you get into the cadence and you understand A to B, B to C, C to D and so forth until the end of the event where you're just like, this is clockwork. Yeah. You forgot how to ride that bike. Mm. You didn't remember that the best thing to do in this instance is to be overly detailed, not micromanager. Yeah. Overly detailed. Who's doing what? What what are the time frames? Who's Mm -hmm. picking up what? Where is it going to go? How are we all going to do this together? Not micromanagement, but hyper detailed so that every single person prior to this thing happening knows their exact marching orders. When it comes to events, it's so much better to be overprepared than it is to shoot from the hip. And you were shooting from the hip a little bit. Kills me to say it for the third time. Yeah. You were right. Yeah. Um, You know, it is, and I did, listen, I have lists, emails were sent to people, lists, I mean, work, but I did. I let some things where you just throw it out. Yeah. And then you're in the middle of craziness. You're not sure if the person heard it. You're not sure if they grabbed it. Do you know what I mean? Like, because they're in the same space. Maybe they got it. Maybe they didn't. Yep. I don't know. Um, so you're right. Uh, yeah. It's a learning experience. It's something that you now. need to brush up on. Yeah. But let me tell you this. I have been in four car accidents in my life two of which were simply me and inanimate objects <laughs> and two of which they were relaxed his were relaxed were real accidents this what happened to me today is could not let be me explain to you the two that were th- there was one i was in high school and remember uh the school i went to kind of had like the diagonal spots so you'd oh, have to right, like go right. down the lane yep. go down the aisle and then you the 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 parking spot would be like at a 45 degree angle yeah well one day i thought i could circumvent that and go through the opposite way so that the parking spots weren't facing me. I would have had to mm-hmm. do like a pretty hard turn. Yeah. And I was in the, what, 1990 baby blue Nissan pickup <laughs> stick. You, you always say baby blue with pure disgust. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a baby blue pickup truck, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was. And so I tried to turn in there and I just didn't have the capacity to yeah, turn. And I thought, well, I just go a little further. And I nudged into the car next to me. Mm. Absolutely bailed on the spot, went as far away from it as possible. Kevin. Parked. 
and just walked by. Now, I didn't see any damage, but what I wasn't going to do at 16 years old oh. was be culpable for it. Yeah, Carmen. Turns out. Mm. It was fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that today. Turns out it wasn't. The next time I was in a car accident, I was in college. I had a I had just purchased the neighbor across the street's car, and he was an old guy who drove like, I don't know, five miles a month. It was a Lincoln Continental. Yeah. Classy. No, Lincoln Town Car. Town Car. Classy car. Yeah. Class, class, class. The thing was brand new. I was driving down 4th Street just past the Golden Silver Inn. This bug flew in my windshield. And to this day, my mom doesn't believe this is a true story, but I swear it is. This bug flew in, landed on my windshield. I'm trying to get it off while driving. And I'm only going like 35 miles an hour. I think you told me it was like a bee. like something No, no, no. It was bow. like this a long bug with that long neck that flies. Okay. I was trying to get rid of it, trying to get rid of it. At the point that I get rid of it, I realize I haven't been paying attention to the road in about 10 seconds. This pickup truck in front of me stops short to turn into this business, and I just go right under him. The best possible thing was his truck, totally fine. The guy just yeah. went away. Your, your car? Demolished. Yep. What sent to the salvage yard. The next time I got into a car accident was probably five years after that. I was coming back from golfing with some friends. And I think this was a serious, yeah, I think I've told the story. I was in the middle lane, this woman who was like in this wind up geo Metro bright red is like weaving in and out of traffic comes to the left-hand lane, tries to turn in, realizes she's about to turn into me over corrects, hits the, uh, the median, the freeway median, which is hard concrete deflects off of that. It almost catapults her forward, back into the middle traffic in the middle of traffic where she hits the car directly in front of me and now they are literally like metal intertwined with one another kind of just moving throughout the freeway and we're going like 75 80 miles an hour eventually there is nowhere for me to go i can't go right i can't go left we're all just like in awe of what is happening in front of us and i try to slam on my brakes as much as possible this whole thing probably took less than 10 seconds but i mean, i remember it in my head taking forever. And we ended up obviously crashing into them. Airbags deployed. I was fine. That was dad's car, by the way. That was dad's car. And then it was <laughs> the salvage yard's yeah. car. Kevin doesn't mess around with it. It is like all or nothing. Go big or go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other time is when I dented my Yukon in college by driving into what I thought was a open parking spot in a packed parking lot to go to the beach. And was I listening to music? I sure was. Were there way too many people in the car? Absolutely. <laughs> was I speeding into the parking spot? Sure Probably. was. And there was a ripe, thick, concrete, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a post. Post. Yeah. Just cemented in the yeah. middle of the parking spot. Bam. Right into it. Way stronger than your car. Much much stronger than my car. Every single time felt like a horrible human being. Yeah. I don't Every know. single time never wanted to drive again. So what is it? I mean, we have insurance, we have protection, we pay our premiums. Now, let me tell you this. All of my accidents, minus the first one in high school, they were bad. Like you yeah. could, you could get rid of all of the cars. Yeah. I went and saw what happened to your car. Yeah. Lady, if you didn't tell me you got into a car accident, I would have no earthly freaking idea. Doesn't mean that it wasn't emotional. Doesn't mean that you didn't have a lot of self-hate. I'm telling you this right now. The way you described it, 
I thought it was going to be dragging behind you. We're going to need to duct tape it and that we had oh, to no. immediately go no. to the dealer to get a brand new yeah. bumper. If you're not looking for it, you can't find it. But I know it's there. It's true. Yeah. And that's why you don't drink and drive. Let's start the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard Business School alum. The other is her son discussing business, pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Sitting across from me, it's not Jeff Gordon. It's my mom, Deb. (laughs) I'm Deb. And if she's not Jeff Gordon, then that makes me James Dean, RIP. I'm her son, Kev, and this is our podcast. On today's show, in Deb's business segment this week, She'll be weaving in and out of traffic as she gets to her point of how to apologize in business. And we'll be test driving a brand new segment today that we call Spin That For Me, hopefully not into offense. And like Paul Walker will wrap around a light pole this episode up by telling you what's for dinner and what we're thankful for. But first, was that good? I mean, how many times can we mention it? I mean, I just listen. It's, yeah. it's what it's, you're lightening me up though. It's making me feel better. What is the, it's like immersion. Like yeah. you have yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. You have to sit with it. Time plus tragedy equals comedy. I mean, it's been like 30 minutes, yeah. so Let's more laugh. than enough time. Let's laugh Ab- about it. Absolutely. Ironically, before we even started, I wanted to give my own car update because about three or four weeks ago, I mentioned I did like the most alpha thing I've ever done as it relates and to you a were car. Really proud of yourself. I erased Every lit up icon on my dashboard, they're all back. Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) no. All of them? All of them are back. Well, wait. You couldn't have used all the windshield wiper fluid. That's a great place to start. There's a crack somewhere in the the wiper container or like the hose. Oh. Because you're right. I filled that sucker up and I would say in 10 days it was gone. Wow. So it's clearly it leaking. it never rains here, right. that's kind of hard. Yeah. So which is why I'm not too upset about it, because if you clean the windshield, that windshield's pretty good for like a month. I know, but we need to be upset about the crack in the hose. So there's a crack in the hose or a crack in the container. The light button, which means one of the exterior lights of the car isn't working. I went out there at nighttime, turned on all the lights. I don't think it's any of I don't think it's any of the blinkers. I don't think it's any of the, the brake lights or the back lights or the headlights. You know how on the side of the car there's just like a random light just like on the fender. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what that's for. I think that intermittently goes out. Mm, which doesn't, I wouldn't worry about that. I'm not remotely worried yeah. about that. Again, because it's been cold here, the tire pressure light goes on, yeah. then goes off, yeah. then it comes on and it blinks a little bit, and then it goes away. I think it's just yeah. letting me know that, hey, yeah. be careful, bud, because this might one day come back and haunt you. But again, all the tires... I've tested them again, or exactly where they were whenever I filled them up a month and ago. how's the coolant? The coolant is fine? The only thing that I would actually be worried about is the coolant, because if I have a leak in the coolant, a crack in the coolant, that is going to be lots of money. Yeah. Lots and lots Driving of money. Driving grandma's car pretty soon. And then it's straight 95 Taurus yeah. the entire rest <laughs> of my life. So I've, de- I've decided that I'm going to care less about those lights, because yeah. I have an understanding of those lights. Mm-hmm. And the coolant you've got to figure out. The, no, the coolant's fine. Oh, the coolant's fine. No, the fine. coolant's oh, totally good. fine. The coolant's the one good. thing that hasn't been an issue, oh, which okay. is why okay. I'm not worried okay. about okay. it. Good, good, good. Here's another thing that's driving related. I was driving down Plum Lane. The same Plum Lane 
where I thought I was about to get pulled over about a month ago, right? Oh, right the right. same plum yeah. lane. I see this couple walking on the sidewalk on the other side of the road. Right. Walking it's, it's towards kind of a me. a new sidewalk. Yep. Yep. I would say they're probably in their mid-40s, late 40s, early yep. 50s, something around there, right? He shoved her into traffic. He slit her throat <laughs> and he just held her head open, <laughs> eyes staring at me as I pass by. No, they're walking their two dogs and it's like an older lab, uh, like chocolate lab and an older uh, black, I don't know, collie, blackish white yeah, collie, yeah. right? And directly behind them, yeah. also on a leash, a beige horse, just a horse out for a walk. On and, the sidewalk? Oh, yeah. A beige horse? He's holding the collie and the beige horse. Yeah. She's holding the lab and what I think is another dog, JK, it's a long-haired mini horse. They're walking the horses and the dogs This together. is in the middle of town. Listen, we have... We have fields around here. We have stables. As yeah. much as Reno is growing, we are still kind of an old Western town. Yeah, still in the middle of town. People can have, I mean, like right smack in the middle of town, people can have a couple acres yes. and have stuff. I have never seen anybody walk a horse. Well, here's the thing about horses. I mean, I'm assuming they need exercise. What do I know? But I'm assuming they need exercise. Correct. But I'm thinking that if I'm a horse, there's a pasture, even if it's only like an acre or so. Yeah. And I would rather be on that grassy, dirty pasture than on sidewalk. But I want to say, like, walk the dogs, totally get it. Right. But wouldn't you rather ride the horse and keep the dogs in the pasture? I mean, what I'm, what I'm thinking is, like, you've made this more complicated for yourself. What happens if that horse gets away from you? Absolutely. What happens if the horse rears up and then you're strangling your collie while trying to jack the horse down? It's in traffic. It no. is literally cars are driving 25 to 30 miles per hour by it every five seconds. And that road you're talking about is not like, it is not like crazy highway busy at all, but it is a busy yeah. road. Yeah. There's always traffic on. Right. And imagine somebody like Deb's driving down it. That mm. horse isn't safe. That horse isn't safe. That couple's me. not safe. That's not at all. Yeah. It was it was surreal because I put the dogs together and then I was like, oh my God, that's a horse. And then I looked at the fourth animal, I was like, that's another horse. A little horse. A baby horse. A little mini horse. Mm, I wonder, like, at what point did they say, honey, let's get the bridle for the horse out, take the two horses for a walk with the dogs? Right. Like, that's crazy. I just feel like that's backwards. If you own horses, I, in, especially in that part of town, I feel like you own land. You never need to walk anything. You just I, go out into your land. I think I can speak for all the horses in that part of town. Yeah. They don't want to go for a walk. No. No. I mean, maybe they want to go for a ride, but a ride is different than a walk. I agree. Now, here, now, totally pivoting off of cars. We've okay. bashed that to death. Okay. We'll probably come back to it. Yeah, though. I'm sure we will. I was at the gym. Now everybody's like, oh my God, here's more gym stuff. I was at the gym. Yep. I was working out headphones in. Everybody knows that I don't like to fraternize with anybody who goes to my gym. He doesn't like to visit with anybody. I'm there to work out, not be your friend. He's And, and they're old. Most of the people there are old. Yep. And they're touching everything and they're not wiping yeah. anything down. They're not really masked There's people. a certain smell to We've some of them. That. Persimmon soap. That's what old people are supposed to use. I don't know if persimmon soap can get out whatever it is that I smell from a couple of these people. Okay. But there's a guy who's my age. All right. Kind of in shape, but not really in shape. You, you don't know him. Never seen him before in my entire okay. life. Not once. Haven't seen him before this. Haven't seen him since this okay. happened. A lot of tattoos. And he's working out. 
and he's kind of doing like the grunt thing. And I'm just yeah. like, this isn't anytime fitness, dude. Like, no, nobody's impressed by yeah, you. Like, yeah. I think I'm impressive and nobody's yeah. impressed by me. Nobody's impressed by you. Go down to the place in Midtown. Yeah. The Gold's place. Gym. Yeah. So I think we're in the same space for like 20 minutes together. I'm at one of the machines and he comes up to me. Now, I, this is my biggest pet peeve. This is my biggest pet peeve. We're in 2022. Every single person should know that if I or you or anybody else has earbuds in, uh, we're listening to something. We're not, we don't want to talk to you. We're either talking to somebody yes. or we're listening to something. It's wild. Do you have a mask on? No. Okay. But it is wild to me that people still will just come up and talk to you. Like, hey, what's up? I, I know those things are in your ears and they're blasting I feel sound. like I point to them. Do you point to them as they come up? I probably do more, one of these. Oh, you do that. What's up, dude? Yeah, I do make right? a point of pulling them out too. And he says to me, he's like, what are you, six, seven? And I'm like, oh, this is what this is going to be. Okay. I was like, I am. I was like, yeah. And I'm trying to be nice about it. I said, I am. That's, that's a great guess. Most people, you know, usually mm-hmm. go way, way over or way under. He's like, nice, man. Nice. What are you like? 220, 225? You go, is this a carnival? And am I'm I going to get like, a prize? Are you going to get a prize? I was like, uh, no. I mean, like I've been 220, but I think I'm more like 210, 215, somewhere in that mm-hmm. range. And he looks at me and he goes, you're looking good. Never, ever seen this guy in my entire life. Was he hitting on you, honey? That's my question to you, mom. Was this guy at the gym (laughs) Mm. who I've never seen, who I've never had a conversation Mm -hmm. with, who I haven't seen before and I haven't seen after? Yeah. Did he work up some gumption Mm -hmm. to come up to Mm -hmm. the six foot seven, 215, 220, 225 guy Mm -hmm. to look at him Mm -hmm. and say, you're looking good, to which I... Because I'm nothing more than an egomaniac, probably had the <laughs> biggest Cheshire smile on my face and said, "Thank you so much." Yeah. Right? And you were now liked him. You liked him, but I immediately bit. put my earbud in. Oh, okay. Because I'm not okay. trying to continue that conversation for boundaries, all the thousands boundaries, of variables. Right? Boundaries. Too many variables. Yeah. What do we know about that? Because mm. I've been hit on in a steam room before, and it is uncomfortable. Okay, so. Do you feel like he glanced at you a bunch before he came over? No, I figured what he would have done was try to out alpha me with all the workout stuff that he was mm. doing. So maybe you could have said he picked up sight of you at some point, but it is rare. And I mean rare. Like I have had in total, I've been going to this gym for like five or six years. I've had maybe four people who don't work there say something to me. Okay. Well, the majority just, of them are old, old white guys. Well, that's because you have on a sign yeah. that says, don't bother me ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. Don't bother me. Don't speak to me. Yep. Don't come within three feet of me. Okay. Yep. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. I, the whole, his whole working out thing, I interpret a little differently. Kev. Okay. I'm thinking that he saw you and he goes, there's a guy in great shape. Oh, looks like he's six foot seven. Oh, Looks like he's 2, 10, 15, 20, okay. right? Okay. And then he kind of goes like, yeah, he really looks good. I kind of like him. And so then he said- Define I kind of like him. Well, we're getting there. Okay. Okay. And so then he said, I need to like grunt it out here. I need to show him. Define grunt it out here. <laughs> grunt it out here is like, <laughs> with like weights. Yeah, I'm going to pick up these weights and put them down type thing. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So I need to show him that while I'm not him- 
I'm capable of matching him. Got it. I live in the same stratosphere as okay, him. Okay, sure. Therefore, we have something in common. Okay. Therefore, when I go pay him this extraordinary comp- compliment, yeah. right? And I, granted, I'm going to interrupt his workout, but to pay him an extraordinary compliment yeah. that he's going to like it and reciprocate. Here's what I will never reciprocate. Okay. I find it bizarre. Yeah. To compliment strangers. Though yeah. I have done it before, but it's always in passing. You saw me do it once. I saw a woman who had the whitest white hair that was perfectly quaffed and yeah. it looked something out of vogue. And Amazing. I looked at her and I yeah. said, I love your hair. Yeah. But we were walking by each other. There was no stop. There was no mm-hmm. continued conversation. I said it. I walked away. Yeah. She said, thank you. You saw her reaction. You said, you absolutely made that woman's day. Uh, and I said, she made yeah. my day for having such great hair. Yeah, right? well, she did. She had swingy, thick, beautiful white hair. Absolutely. To to come up to somebody who you don't know in a situation where you are now going to be in the same space for however long either yeah. one of you decide to yeah. be there, that is just a weird thing to do. Well, I'm going to tell you a story, and I don't know if you remember it. Okay. This was years ago. It was kind of a long line at Starbucks. Okay. Right? So you know how the line, sometimes the line is actually a line, but oh, yeah. sometimes the line feels like people milling around. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it was a milling around line as we're all waiting to get up. Like it's fluid. There's it's kind of fluid. like motion. People are yeah. waiting for a myriad of things. And so, you know, if a couple people are together, they might be chatting, you know, that's going on. So we're getting up there, but it's moving slow. There's a tall guy, and I'm going to say, I'm going to describe him as a friendly face, but kind of a goofy guy. Okay. Okay? Um, maybe like a cool nerdy guy, but not cool, cool, not hipster cool. Got okay? It. And he's set, kind of a big guy, and he looks at you and he says, your hair. And you go, yeah, and you kind of laugh a little bit. I, mean, I don't even remember this. Yeah. And he goes like, it's amazing. And you go, oh, well, thanks. And it was, we all kind of laughed because it was so funny for a guy to pay another guy a right. compliment like that. Usually nobody's tall enough to actually get the full 360 yeah. of my hair. And this was a big guy. He was tall. Yeah. I mean, not six, he seven, was. but tall. And then he looked at you and he goes, actually, it's glorious. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember the glorious comment. And it was like such a funny word for a guy to use, yeah. right? I mean, as, as a complete stranger. And you, I started laughing. I mean, like in an endearing way, not in sure. a laughing at him kind of way. And you were like happy as can be. And he chuckled, and it was it was like a nice moment between all of us. And nobody thought he was putting the move on you. No, because I was with a group of people. He was clearly waiting for a drink, and he was going to leave. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. And there's not sexual undertones at Starbucks that there might be at a gym where everybody is sweaty. Yeah, and yeah. staring into mirrors. And trying yeah. to better themselves physically. So what happened after you put your earbud back in? I just continued working out. And then Where I just kept looking behind me. Where did he go? Uh, he went over to a machine, not close to me, but not far. I would say like 15, 20 feet away. Did he ever come back? No. Okay, so here's what I'm going to go But with. I have literally never seen him since. Okay, I don't know if this is Which the Which is right. not many days, but I don't so. know if this is the right word. Okay. Like he's just a, he's just a bro. He's just brown out yep, with his bros. Yep, that's all that's going on. Yep, that's all that's going on. He thought you were maybe in the cool crowd. Bro recognized he, bro. Bro recognized bro. And he said, hey, I think there is a cool crowd here. I'm not really sure. Most of the people are too old to be in the cool crowd at this gym. But I'm going to go like, you know, snuggle up a little bit to this guy because he looks yeah. like he could be in the cool crowd. He wanted a bromance a little bit. He wanted a bromance. Bro out. That's what I think it is. But nothing other than that. I agree with you. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> 
Do I think he owed me an apology? No. No. Do I think he owed me some type of clarity? Maybe. And Maybe. that's what's going to springboard us into the business topic. See how I did that there, Deb? I wrapped job, it Kevin. all together. He didn't owe me an apology, but sometimes in business, we owe our coworkers, our managers, even ourselves an apology. And oftentimes it's different than how we would do an apology in a personal manner because we don't know these people a lot of the times in a personal manner. We know them in a professional manner. And Deb, you're going to talk to us today about how we can best apologize in the workplace. So that was a lot of a lot of alliteration. As we discussed earlier, apologies have been showing up a lot in my life lately. Which is wild. It is wild to me because whenever when anything um, you know tense happens, I would say up until like the last year, it is clearly Dude, Kevin's fault. It's all Kevin. And I I look at most people and I and I say never apologize to me because eventually you're going to get a windfall from me. Yeah. So don't even worry about it because yeah. you will you will absolutely have a just a tsunami of apologies that come for me if you're in my orbit long enough. For sure. And and the other thing too is I think I am pretty intuitive. So I can recognize if I'm heading down a wrong path and I can usually save myself before an apology is required. Okay. I yeah. mean, you, normally that would be a tactic. You can stop yourself before you hit the apology fence. For sure. But apparently I keep plowing through and yeah, even when bumping, you have a camera, bumping into it, yeah. even when I have a camera in the rear view. So one of the things that I was trying to think about that is different in business and in personal, you know, in our personal lives, what we, we care so deeply about relationships, we right? Do. That that is the driving thing that makes us apologize if something has really gone awry. And I think there's two sides to apology. Like you just said, look, I know I'm going to use up my share so I'm good if you don't apologize. Maybe then I don't have to apologize. Yeah. Maybe we're cool, yeah. right? Like maybe just we we're just like natural forgivers, yeah. and we never have to buys remind, me a moment, buys me a time. Never have to remind the the other person of what we did wrong, yeah. or reiterate our mistake. That's why I'm the, one of those people who doesn't keep tallies because I know that I'm always losing. You're I'll always, always be lose. bringing up the rear. So here's the thing: it actually feels a little bit more vulnerable to apologize in business because. Especially I'm talking about a well-thought-out apology. Now, if it's a quick little, oh, gosh, sorry I'm late, do you know what I mean? Or, oh, gosh, sorry I didn't get that to you. I mean, we hardly heard sorry in there, right? And do you think it's because our performance is so heavily weighted in a professional setting that if we were to apologize, we're making an omission, an omission, an admission that Mm -hmm. we did something wrong and we equate wrong with being vulnerable to being let go. Well, and bad, wrong could take you down the bad road, right? And so one of the things that I thought, I thought like, okay, so how could we make it easier to apologize at work? Because I do think apologies should just be part of the workplace. I mean, if we make a mistake, and I don't think it should be like, sorry, do you know what I mean? I mean, if we've really inconvenienced somebody, that's a different apology. If we've done something, I'm not saying horrible, but an apology to a client is different than a co- an apology to a coworker. Yeah. So I went through and I looked at, and I was just looking on Yelp reviews and I went to find people that really apologized to bad Yelp review people. Oh, nice. And here's the thing. It makes you feel so different about that business when they do it. Oh, big time. 
Big time. I mean, so, you know, they're not saying a lot about the positive reviews. The ones that I really liked are ones that did, though, say like, gosh, we appreciate your great words. We appreciate your support. But then the ones that jumped right on, you know, if something went wrong, we are so sorry. And they didn't, it wasn't canned. It was different for every situation. Being proactive. Being proactive, I think, is such a big deal. So if you think about the Yelp reviews and you think about, if something had really gone horrendously wrong, then that person that's doing the responding to the bad review is going to say like, oh my gosh, we are so sorry. We can't apologize enough. This thing went sideways. We would have never expected this. I'm talking to my team. Please reach out to me personally. I mean, some people post phone numbers and everything. Call Mike at blah, 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 blah. Like we want to fix this for you. And they'll even say things like, I'm going to refund your money. I mean, like, so if it's really, really a horrendous thing, that is one kind of apology. You know, other things that are just like, you got a four instead of a five. They said, I would have given you a five, but do you mean they list the little thing? You know, people go, this is, this is a coaching moment. Thank you. I appreciate it. We want to know this stuff. So if you think about it, like within the confines of a business or an office, Obviously, if we forget to give somebody, if I forget to give somebody something that I committed to, like I really missed the deadline. I mean, for me, it's probably like, ah, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, here it is. I will sometimes say stuff like, listen, the last time you mentioned that was the last time I thought about it. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put it on my calendar. It's gone. And almost saying that feels like if it's true, that it's the better thing to say than to kind of scramble out of it. But even if it's not true, it feels true. It feels like something that all of us have done many times that we're all guilty of, where we heard the thing, but we weren't 100% paying attention to it. They believed we were, and we let them believe that we were. And the second it was over, we were like, what did we just talk about? And we don't say that to ourselves. We just continue on doing whatever we were doing prior. I always say, and I make jokes about this, that I know how to apologize in every language of the world. I don't know how to say anything else in any other language. But, you know, in Mexico, I lead with lo siento, right? And so that's just how it goes. You need to learn how to apologize. So one of the things I've talked about before, but I'm going to refer back to this, and I'm going to have you help translate this into business acumen, according to the crime. Are you good with that? I will do my best. Okay, so hold on. Let me find this. Um, okay. Gary Chapman, people can Google this if they want. And I think for a department or, you know, like a small group, this would be a great exercise is you go on Google Gary Chapman apology languages and a little quiz will come up totally free. Don't have to pay to take it. And it will tell you how you like to receive an apology. Okay. Okay. So there are five different ways. Now I could want two of the five, Sure. but, but, but it'll tell a hybrid of both. Well, it'll tell me what it'll say is like, you like number two, four, three, and one, like that. So I know that two and four are important to me. And it'll get, it gives you a little score. So if the scores are similar, then maybe they need to be combined. But so one is expressing regret. Yep. And the, what the example they're saying here is, I feel ashamed how I hurt you. I don't know if I would say ashamed in business. That feels a little bit vulnerable. But I mean, I think it would be like... Disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm really disappointed in myself, yeah. you know, that I did that. I mean, genuinely. And of course, that means looking at somebody and being remorseful, yeah. right? In business, it would be, I I 
made a strategic error in the way I handled myself. Perfect. So do you believe, are you good with number one for business? We can use it. Yeah, that's usually my thing. I just want people to own it. Okay. The second one is accepting responsibility. Yep. So accepting responsibility is kind of like one step more, I feel, than expect, you know, than I did it. I was wrong. I was wrong for doing that to you, or I was wrong and I didn't think of how it would impact you. Yep. So that sometimes is important too, but Agreed. there is a difference. Okay. Totally in those agree. two. Can we throw that in the pot for business? For sure. Okay. Number well, yeah, three. because listen, it's one thing to apologize. What are you apologizing for? Right. Okay. So here's number three. This might be the one that is kind of, you know, whether, whether we want to keep it or not. Genuinely repent. Now, let me give you an example. Get on those knees and grovel. <laughs> I can only imagine how much pain I caused. I am so sorry. I won't do that again. Next time I will do thus and such differently. I think that works. There's a little groveling in that there. That works with a client. That's that's probably too much with a coworker because at the point that you're doing that, it's probably a big enough issue to where other people, like including management, are involved. And then in order to hold on to your job, you probably need to use verbiage like that. But I would say more conducive to a client, less so for a peer. But for a pop boss, possibly, depending on for the situation. Sure. Okay, so we're going to hold that. Yep. Now, this is interesting. I think this is part of it, but it okay. could be different in real life in a personal relationship. Hit me with it. Making restitution. Oh, sure. Give okay. me money. <laughs> this is how I will make it up to you. Okay. So in work with a peer, it could be like, I know you hate to do this and such. Give it to me. I'll do it. We're, we're 80% done with this project. I know about 10% of it left is yours. Let me do the remaining 20% of it. Have a great weekend. Restitution, I think, with a client is could be big. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I'm going to take 20% off now yep. because we screwed that up. Yep. Okay. <sighs> restitution with your boss, does it even work? I don't think so. I, I mean, don't think so either. The only restitution you can give them is to say you'll be better and be better so that they don't have to focus as much time yeah. on you anymore. That's really the only thing I can think about. I mean, you might want to bring them coffee every day for a week, or but short of that. bring in a new account. Yeah, or bring in a new account and do it fast, Yeah. okay? Um, now, this is interesting. Here's number five, requesting forgiveness. That See, feels really vulnerable. If somebody looked at me and said, I am so sorry. Clearly, I screwed up because I shouldn't have left the coffee pot dirty so that when you went in there, it wouldn't have exploded all over mm. you. I'm happy to pay your medical bills for the horrible scarring on you. Can you please find it in your heart to forgive me? Something yeah, I think would you hit like all five. That's what I'm that, saying. Yeah. Something would have to be so over the top for me. And listen, I can apologize with the best of them. And I will always apologize. You will always get an apology from me. Sometimes. Well, I mean, most yeah, of the time. as his mom, I would say it might be a little difficult. Most sometimes. of the time you'll get yeah. an apology from me. I might have to sit with my feelings for a little bit. <laughs> but to, to ask that type of forgiveness yeah. Because you're my coworker. I don't even know that I care to forgive you. Vice versa. I don't know that I care that you forgive me. So but it's a it's a tactical ploy with a client, because if you can get the client like in an, in a written response, text, email, whatever, to say, we absolutely understand. Thank you for clarifying it. We feel comfortable moving forward. All of that kind mm -hmm, of stuff is mm -hmm. a form of forgiveness, which is huge. Yeah. 
to ask somebody who you work in a cubicle with to forgive you? That's, <laughs> That's wild. T- so here's what I was trying to think about the will you forgive me? It's like, will you forgive me for? Yeah. And then you repeat your crime, whatever it is. Yeah. So I think will you forgive me is almost too much unless unless I want to say you've really done something nefarious. Do you know what I mean? That has hurt somebody's reputation. See, that's what's weird is you would just get fired. Well, I think you would just get fired too, unless it was a coworker that just, you know, didn't tell on you. I think at at the point that you are requesting forgiveness, that means it was somewhat severe. Not somewhat. That means it was pretty severe. Unless you are just, you know, one of those types of personalities who will ask for forgiveness before anything's actually happened just because you're so anxious about life. But if you're genuinely asking for forgiveness because you did something, I think you have more issues than receiving that forgiveness. You should wonder about whether or not you're going to have a job the next week. So here then becomes the thing. If we're not going to ask forgiveness, because I do understand that some people would kind of need something that sounded like that. Maybe it's phrased something like, what can I possibly do to win your trust back? Or can can I win your trust back? Isn't that restitution though? Well, kind of. It kind of is both. I think at the point that you're asking for forgiveness, which you should. I mean, if you feel compelled to ask for forgiveness, that's absolutely fine. Understand that you might be given walking papers. Yeah. I think that the asking forgiveness, it's... and It's like a last second ploy. And that is really the thing of like, how vulnerable do we get at work? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How much do we trust our coworkers or our boss? In some cases, tons. Do you know what I mean? Other cases, not so much. Right. And I just think that sometimes our own shame or our own bad feelings about whatever we did drives us maybe to go too far. Totally. But you still have to, the difference with um, a personal relationship and a business relationship is you still have to retain some level of, I don't want to say pride. Professionalism. But professionalism and that feels like you just you let it all go. Here's yeah. what you would say. You would you would apologize. You would make restitution and then you would say, "Are we good?" Are we good? I like that too. And if they say yes, then that is them saying, "I forgive you." Now. And if they say no, right. Then then I think you have to say, "What do I need to do?" Exactly. Yeah. Are we good? They say no, you can continue the conversation. If they say yes, then you've done everything that you needed to do. So it can't be used against you moving forward. I mean, they might be able to look at a manager and say, screw this guy, I'm still going to bring it up. But then what you get to say is, I apologized. I I made restitution in the form of X, Y, and Z. I asked if they were good. They assured me that they were. What else can I do? Because I've done absolutely everything within my power to make sure that this A, doesn't happen again, that they understand why it won't happen again, how I can help them moving on, and that, that now we are on an even playing field again. And if I was a manager, I'd be like, okay, well, what did you do? And if yeah. it turned out, it was like, okay, I, I firebombed their car in the parking lot because they got coffee on my tie. Then I would say, um, <laughs> security. Right. Yeah. You need to go now. But if they said, you know, he didn't include me in the project report name, I'd be like, okay, so we're right. good. Well, because the thing is with you, like with you and I, for instance, mother and son, it is inferred, well, I mean, hopefully, that we will always forgive each other. I would hope so. You know, I mean, like, I think about this a lot with you, actually. I think about what could Deb do that I would never speak to Deb again? Oof. And only it literally has to go to this. I would have to be married and yeah. I would have to have a child. 
And you would have mm-hmm. to put that child into serious harm's way, like yeah. serious, yeah, like out of like. But completely... it would have to be on purpose, wouldn't it? In order, no, I mean, like on purpose, being like, like, like never like, speak to me again. Like if it turned out that you developed some horrible, horrible alcoholism, where you were just drinking morning, noon, and night, which again, th- this is where I'm going. Yeah, okay. And then you put the kid in the car seat and got into yeah. a you know head-on collision. Yeah, and the kid didn't die, but I I look at you and I'd be like. How I can literally never trust you again. But even then, would you never speak to me? Again? I don't know that I would never speak to you again. I would just yeah. be like, you can absolutely come see the kid. You can never drink, and you'll <laughs> never be alone, right? Yeah. Like I don't know. Like if you murdered my child, I probably wouldn't speak to you ever again. <laughs> so here's you know there are a few things, very few things in my life that I am comfortable going. Hey, I aced that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Very few things because. I'm a pretty tough critic on myself. Yes. But overall, I want to say on the parenting thing, I feel like I did a good job, Kev. There's I agree no, with you. There's no reason to think that it's going to go sideways now as a grandparent. If anybody has listened to these 160 plus episodes, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, you did yeah. a really good job with what you had yeah, on well, your hands. With what I had. Yeah. Let's remember that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, honestly, I've literally thought that because you just hear about people. And I can't. I hate my parents. I'll never talk to my talk, parents. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, I get that over the lifespan of your relationship, there's no equity. And they just think you're a horrible human being for a thousand different reasons. But if you and I had the same relationship that we've had, and then like, what would it take for me to just never speak to you again? I have no idea. Yeah, it's weird because I can't imagine that either. You know, it is funny. I do want to say this because this is the way you are. It's not the way I am. Um, And it's not that I'm better. It's just that I have such a burning desire to not be in conflict with people that I want apologies to come quickly, swiftly, so I can put a little in my mind, a little bow on it and- you know, I'm, get I'm kind of the it. same way. Well, you kind of here's, but I think I'm like, I hate this if it's me in conflict with you, but I kind of admire this because while you're in the heat of it, which could last an hour, let's just say, you know, while you're still feeling the heat of the anger, you don't want the apology. You want it to come later. You want it to wait. Yes. Because apologies need to meet the person who's yeah. receiving the apology. Apologies do not get to come at the expense of that person. Meaning if you screwed up and you know you screwed up, but that person's still pissed, you got to wait for them to want the apology. And I can tell you within the first however long, they don't want it because they can't see past the emotion of it. I am somewhat the same way when I know I'm wrong. I want to be able to offer that apology rather quickly. Right. And it's rare that like it's something is so bad that it takes days or weeks or months. But I know that the moment needs to breathe. And the tide needs to settle so that my words and my emotions can be genuinely heard and felt, which then helps strengthen that relationship. Right. I mean, you were really good about, you got to give me a minute. Yeah. You got to give me a minute. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I'll go away for like a couple hours and say, hey, I mean, can I have my minute now? Yeah. And you're like, we're good. You know, I also think too, and I think this is the hardest thing is you know, you want, if you're going to apologize for things, we don't, I guess it's not built in, it's not assumed, but what we hope is that the same mistake isn't made again. Truly. Right. I mean, and if it is, then it's something that you have to be able to talk out and work on. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's make new mistakes. That's what I was told as a teenager. mm -hmm. And that's what I tell my mother, Deb, (laughs) let's let's make make new mistakes. I said that to you constantly. And guess what? Yeah. Started making new mistakes. Yeah. Had to apologize for those ones too. 
Speaking of potential apologies, yes, we did this on a Thursday episode. We talked about better.com and you had to assume the PR role mm-hmm. for the CEO who mass fired 900 people and then essentially blamed them right. for being fired right. to which he took a sabbatical. He came back. He saw, you know, they had a third party come in, run an audit, yep. blah, 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 blah. I think that's a fun segment for us to have you be the fixer the Kerry Washington, the Ooh, scandal. I love that. How you can take a bad situation, take it like a top, spin it on its head, and turn it into a good thing. Okay, let's do so it. So I've taken some some newsworthy stories from the past three or four weeks yep. that I think are lighthearted enough, nothing super serious, yep. lighthearted enough for you to be able to take something bad and all of these people would be your client and then you have to turn it into something good. Okay, perfect. All right. Spin that for me. All righty. That's the name of the segment. Okay, I couldn't spin remember that it. For me. So what I'll do is I'll give you the I'll give you the, the debrief, and then I'm gonna say, spin that for Perfect. me. Perfect. Uh, L.A. Mayor Garcetti. Yep. Met the guy. Yeah. No. Nice enough guy. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti told reporters that he holds his breath while taking photos as he was maskless with San Francisco Mayor London Breed and former NBA star Irvin. Magic Johnson, in which all three were not wearing masks. Mm. Garcetti is quoted as saying, I wore my mask the entire game, and when people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath and put it here under his chin, and people can see that. There is 0% chance of infection. As L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti's public relations manager, Mm -hmm. spin that for me. Well, I mean, he's wrong. Don't we all know he's wrong, number one? Are we saying this as the PR person or are we well, saying this I mean, as the world, thinks, the world thinks he's wrong, correct? Well, it's a, it is a wet paper excuse at best okay, okay. that I hold my breath. So here, and he, since he has already said it, yeah. I would sit him down and say, Mayor Garcetti, yeah. here's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go double down on this if you want. I mean, that's a tactic. But if you do that then technically you're going against science. Do you know that we just posted, as we asked everybody to go to N95 masks, we posted, here's what a bandana does, not much. Here's what a regular surgical mask does. I don't know, it saves you by 35%. I don't know if these numbers are right. Here's what an N95 mask saves you by 75%. The masks matter. And you saying you hold your breath just means that you're going to let your breath out at some point Even underneath a mask, you're going to let it out, it's going to seep out, and it's going to be more. That is not a tactic that's ever going to work because you're a guy that has stood firmly for science. You've always leaned into that, and this is exactly the opposite of that. If you want to take the picture, you guys need to be at least six feet apart. But you're the PR manager for Eric Garcetti. You have to make this a positive for your client. So I say to you, Deb, spin that for me. So uh, am I going to, do I get to do it as the PR person? You are the PR person. There is nobody else. But I told him what I think. Okay. Sure. So then I say. And we're flushing this out as we go. Deb, Deb, in six months time, will understand this. So in the past, Eric Garcetti has uh, taken a mask, worn it religiously, he believes in science and he believes in a good surgical mask to yes. protect everybody. 
He doesn't sit or hang around with people that do not wear masks. He's fully vaccinated. He's had his mask. He's been boosted. He is as safe as can be. Unfortunately, people want pictures with him all the time, and they don't want a picture with a mask on. Sadly, he has was misinformed and thought that if he held his breath, he could do the picture, put the mask on, let his breath out, and that would all be safe. He has since been told that that probably isn't the safest way to do it. So in the future and for the near future, everybody needs to know that all of his pictures will be taken with the mask on. I don't know how we judge this. Does that, I mean, that I makes sense to me. it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I think it, like some people won't like it. You should have maybe said that in your, your speech. But to I the, think it can press. be explained away. That sounds good to me. Yeah. That's that's a little political, but that's as deep as politically as we will get. What we what what we try to say is it's what we try to infer there is that some addition that his intention was pure. Yeah. And that now he has additional information. Let me, and so sad you can't have a picture with him now. Can I be can I be the PR person? I'm going yeah. to be the millennial PR person. I'm yeah. gonna be the hype man. I'm gonna say we are so fortunate that Mary Garcetti is so terribly popular that everywhere he goes, people are clamoring. To have a picture with him. Yep. Even superstars like Irvin Magic Johnson, five-time NBA champion, three-time league MVP, is so excited to take a picture with Mayor Garcetti that Irvin forgot that we were supposed to be wearing masks. Now, Mayor Garcetti didn't forget it, which is why he had it under his chin. Magic asked him if he would remove the mask, and he did, but he wanted to keep it close so that the second the photo was over, he could pop that sucker back on. Now, we told Mario Garcetti that, in fact, holding your breath is not a viable way to not catch the virus. But what we do know is that Magic is vaccinated. Mario Garcetti's vaccinated. Everybody who was in the suite was vaccinated. And we made sure to limit his exposure to everybody else so that had he in some way contracted the virus within the three-hour time frame that he was at the baseball game, he in no way would have spread that virus. And they did COVID tests before they entered the suite. And we keep yeah. 13 COVID tests in my fanny pack at all times. Yeah. It really has to go to that, that extreme to explain it like yes. that. Speaking of the NBA, NBA player LeBron James, heard of him? I have heard of him. And the Razzies. Do you know what the Razzies are? Are the Razzies like, it's like a movie or something that is bad? It is the alternative to the Oscars. The Razzies award the worst actors, actresses, movies of the year. Okay. Okay. The Razzie Awards are once again ribbing this year in movies. They poked fun at NBA star LeBron James's performance in the Space Jam sequel, joking that he, quote, most likely dunked his chances for basking in the cinema limelight by starring in it. His movie Space Jam was nominated for Worst Picture of the Year, and he was nominated for Worst Actor of the Year in mm. Space Jam. As arguably the most recognizable athlete in the world with a well-manicured public perception, how would you spin zone this announcement in LeBron's favor? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Worst Actor and Worst Movie. That's what he's been nominated for. Oh, Okay. Let me see here. Yeah. Now, Deb, I've been giving you so much leeway. Make up numbers. Okay. Be hyperbolic. Okay. You're the PR person. Okay. Nobody can hold you to it in the moment. 
It's only afterwards. And afterwards, it's yesterday's new. No, nobody cares about whether or not your numbers were right. Okay. You're so just trying to change the course of the narrative. Talking to the reporters. Yeah. So, I mean, are we really here today talking about the Razzies? Is that what's going on? Because it needs to be said, the Razzies are not the Oscars, okay? The guy didn't win an Oscar, but guess what he did win? Five, five what kind of rings? Four NBA championships. Four NBA championships. That's what he won. That's what he's great at. Here's the deal. Do you know how much money that made? It made $50 million. That's how much money it made. That tells you the success of it. Every little kid who loves LeBron James and their parent went to see that movie. It is not the worst movie of all time. Not even close. It is not. He is not the worst actor of all time. Not even close. Because if you've seen him on the basketball court, he acts pretty well there. So listen, the Razzies, what are the Razzies? They don't matter. Nobody listens and nobody's keeping track. I think you can incorporate the Razzies and we say what's lost here is that LeBron is such a champion. Even when people think he's not good, he's so good at not being good sometimes (laughs) that they want to give him awards for not being good. When he's bad, he's the best at being bad. That's why he's a champion. That's why he's a billionaire. That's why he has made more money than 39 small countries combined, which, by the way, he also donates shoes and time and school resources to because at his best, he's better than everybody. But at his worst, he's still better than everybody. He's still better than everybody, for sure. I think that you just have to go down that road. You have to list all of the things. I mean, if I were his person, I would have known... All of the things. Yes. I would have known all the money he donated. I would have known all the good causes. I would have known every little activist thing he did. And I would just roll that would have rolled off my lips. Maybe in future iterations of spin that for me, mm-hmm. uh, I give you this stuff ahead of time. Yeah, it would help. It okay. would help a little bit. That, because hey, here's the thing. We're learning this together. It's called the Razzies. I mean, who's going to take that seriously? You. You're the PR person. I know. Okay, Deb. With the Olympics winding down, there is still some controversy. Only this time it doesn't have anything to do with China. Okay. German two-time ski jumping world champion Julian Seifar, mm-hmm. female, mm. has posed naked for Playboy magazine to mm. raise awareness for the sport. The German is the cover star for the March edition of Playboy Germany and is hopeful the pictures will be well-received. Seyfarth hopes the photos will be welcomed by everyone because they draw positive attention to our sport. Seyfarth, who is competing in the Winter Olympics Mm -hmm. in Beijing, is no stranger to showing off on her normal Instagram account. Mm. But it's on her second account where she goes by the name of Naili, where she truly posts her most raciest materials to followers. Is that like one of those members-only accounts? Uh, well, technically, it's an Instagram account, so she okay. still has to follow the Instagram yeah. guidelines. But on her personal account, it's her skiing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she looks sexy, but it's all appropriate. On her second account, mm-hmm. it's her being super duper sexy. Okay. So as her PR person, some people are ridiculing her for not presenting that familial, child-friendly mm. image that so many people curate for the Olympics. So how do you spin zone this for your German two-time ski jumping champion, Julian Seifar? A couple of questions. Yes. Is the second account private? 
negative. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Okay, uh, I said that under my breath, just to myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and does she look good? Smoking hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only important to know. Okay. Yep. So, what's so your name? Deb, Julian? Uh, J-U-L-I-A-N-E. Julian, okay. Julian, but Julian. It's, she's German, so it's more like Julian. Julian, okay. So, so Deb, Julian. spin that for me. So, as you all know, Julian is an incredible athlete. Mm-hmm. And part of what makes her an incredible athlete is the care that she takes of her body. This woman works out to no end. The part of the reason that she is so good in her sport, that she has won so many gold medals, and that she has represented Germany and greater Europe is because she is disciplined and she takes care of herself. Here's the thing. We're European. We're German. We are comfortable with the human body. We are not ashamed, nor are we embarrassed of our physical self. This is a specimen This is a specimen of what everybody could only hope to be. Germany is as proud as can be of this lovely woman. Not only is she an incredible athlete, she is, to the human eye, a beautiful, gorgeous woman. Is she kind? Is she wonderful to children's charities? Does she give of herself? Has she sacrificed for greater Germany? Yes, she's done all of that. Any assumptions, ulterior, negative, or otherwise that you have about her belong only to you, and you should check those, because she is a hero and a patriot for Germany and the EU, and we should be proud that she is ours. And it is 2022. (laughs) Yeah. We celebrate all female forms, large women, small women, old women, appropriately aged young women. We Mm -hmm. celebrate everything. We will not cower to the prudish ignorance of men or women. When she's retired, when she's older, she will remain persistent in celebrating the female form in the form of taking photos of herself to show how we age is beautiful, how she will age is beautiful. She is a specimen today and she will be a specimen in 30 years if she gains 50 pounds. Kevin, clearly you had some more time to think about this than I did. No, I just try to, you know, pander to the audience. Good job. No, Between you and I, we can spin zone anything. Yeah. You take the more diplomatic level-headed approach and I stoke the fires. (laughs) Okay. I think that works pretty well. Yeah. Did you like what I said about her? We're just going to make her a hero. Absolutely. Deb, listen, I don't know that this is a home run segment, but you did a great job. Thank you, Kevin. You did a great job. I appreciate that. For enduring the absolute atrocity that happened to you today you put your head you put your cap on you came to work and you played and all of these clients are now better because of it thank you all right deb as we wrap this whole thing up i need you to muster up some thankfulness okay so what are you deborah zener thankful for well my thankful honestly is goes 100% to you. Hey, oh, you made me feel way better yeah. about like my little fender bender thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was huge. You also, um, ran and got what I needed you to get. Yes. So that was huge. Mm-hmm. You did some other, I'm just going to say assorted last minute things. Oh yeah. You didn't whine or cry. And I knew it was an imposition. I definitely cried. And that was huge. Yeah. So I can't thank you enough, Kev, for tolerating my, franticness and navigating within it 
and not making me feel terrible about myself. Yeah, as long as you agree to pay my therapy bills, I'll be absolutely fine. 100%. I always have. I always will. I know. What is that? Did you hear that? You got a crocodile in your pocket? No, it's like it's like something going on in my throat. Just just burp real quick. I don't have a burp. Just go ahead and burp. I don't have a burp. Just burp a little bit I'm for us. Everybody burp. will like it. I don't have a burp. I don't have the burp button anymore. Yeah. Um, my thankful. I am thankful. Sometimes, and this is this, people are going to be like, is this true? But think about it. Mm-hmm. When you are so far ahead on work, yeah, where you know that you could take like four days off, yeah, but because you're so far ahead on work, you just keep working, yeah. So it's like it's 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 house money at yeah. this point, yeah. People are emailing you, they're zooming you, they're calling you, and you're just handing them out left and yep. right. Got You've this, got, got this, yeah. got this. You need it, I've got it. I've been in that place this last week. Good I have for just you. been rarefied air, so far ahead of the curve. Nobody can even see me. That's how far ahead of the curve I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on the other side of the wall of that curve. I'm just in the sweet spot, the flow, the nice place everybody wishes they could be, which I know is fleeting because the second somebody asks me for something that I haven't done, everything comes to a screeching halt. But right now, when work is fun. The second. Yeah. When work yeah. is fun, you know you're in a good place and work has been fun. You know what this is like, Kev? Hmm. You know that moment when the house is clean and every bit of laundry is done and put away? And your sheets smell good and your <sighs> towels towels are soft Nothing and the kitchen better. sink is clean. Yeah, it's shiny. Nothing is better. And there isn't one even dirty sock. Now tonight, when you take your socks off, there will be. Yeah. But at that moment before then, there's not one thing out of place in the house that is a great feeling. I know you. what you're experiencing. Absolutely. Deborah, what's for dinner? So we're going to cook those and we're going to try those cauliflower noodles. Oh, I absolutely. We've been talking about that yep. all week. Yep. So we're going to do the cauliflower noodles. I don't want to do anything traditional. So I've got a weird sauce that I'm going to make kind of a buttery, spicy, crazy thing. Can we keep it vegetarian? Yes, because they're cauliflower noodles. Let's go. So we're going to do that. That's what's for dinner tonight. Those look divine. They do. They are fairly cost effective as yeah, well. Yeah. And if we if we're able to keep them entirely vegetable forward, I can have that as a snack tomorrow during my vegetarian day. Oh, perfect. I love that. I love that. And Dale Earnhardt, I love you too. <laughs> Thank you. That is going to do it for this episode of the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And please don't contact Deb's insurance agent. And if you want to follow us, feel free to follow us on all of our social channels at Deb and Kev pod. Are you better? I'm better. Are you sure? I'm yes. 100%. Do we maybe need to just cry it out after this podcast? Possibly. Okay. (laughs) Mom, I love you to death. I love you, baby. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Deb and Kev podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev pod.